everyone to the Score Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Boone. We are back at it this week after a full slate of preseason games, which we aren't overreacting to, but there are definitely some takeaways from this week's action. And I wrote up my usual weekly article going over what I saw, what I think is important for fantasy managers to know. You can check that out over at the Score. You can see it in the Score Fantasy Football Draft Kit. Today, we're going to go over the top 12 things that we learned. I mean, it might be 13, it might be 14. We'll say 12. It's a nice round number, but it's stuff that you're going to want to incorporate into your fantasy prep before we hit this really busy season, right? The next few weeks, those are the main fantasy draft weekends. So don't worry, I will be updating the rankings constantly. I will update the rankings this week. I had people asking me, are you going to change anything after the first week of preseason games? Of course, I'm going to be changing things nonstop over the next few weeks here. I'll make sure that it is always updated, especially when we're heading into the weekends before everyone's drafting. I'll also have my annual draft strategy articles. They'll be coming out this week too. So we will have you ready for your drafts. Do not worry. Let's start today though. Let's get you caught up on what you need to know from week one of the preseason and the biggest storyline that everybody was talking about. Maybe some people were kind of overreacting to was the Eagles backfield and what we expected I think was that in the first preseason game this is a chance to if you're going to play your starters you play them in this game and then maybe they don't need to play as much in the other game so this week you figure that it's going to be DeAndre Swift and Rashad Penny maybe a little Kenneth Gainwell well it turns out that Kenneth Gainwell he got to rest this week so did Boston Scott And you had Swift and Penny actually playing and people went crazy. They were jumping to conclusions that this might mean that Kenneth Gainwell is actually the RB1 in Philly. And I'm not ruling it out. It's not impossible. But I think that going into the season, what we were expecting long before the preseason was that it was going to be some sort of trio that it was probably going to be Swift and Penny and then a little bit of Gainwell sprinkled in. And I still feel like that's going to be the case, that Swift is going to be the main pass catching back. Penny's going to kind of be that hammer. And then Gainwell's this veteran who's been in the system for a while, who they really trust. And I think that is part of the reason why Gainwell and Scott didn't play this week. And we got a quote actually from Nick Sirianni kind of explaining that, right? He said that we wanted to see Rashad Penny go that you know he hasn't played in a little bit, so he wanted to get him some work, and that next game it'll probably be Scott and Gainwell who are the ones out there getting a couple carries, and it was a longer quote. I'm not going to go through it all. I put it in my column, so if you want to read the whole thing, you can see it there, but this week didn't really change much for me. Swift came out. He only played six snaps. He had a beautiful 22-yard run on one of them, so just showcasing that talent that he has and the upside that he could bring to this offense. Penny, Not overly exciting, nine carries, 34 yards, but really to me, I am not freaking out about this one, but just know that Philly likes to use a committee in that backfield, and we are probably still going to see that this year with those three guys that I mentioned getting touches. I would still be selecting them all at their current ADPs. Uh, You can get Swift, I think, in the seventh or eighth, and based on what happened this weekend, that's probably going to drop a little bit, so you're probably going to get even more value, a penny going in like the eighth or ninth. And then Gainwell, a nice value in the 14th round. And Gainwell, I think his upside comes if DeAndre Swift gets hurt. Then I think Gainwell would really explode. But all guys that I'm willing to grab shares of 
And I think that's where we stand and where we stood before this weekend and where we're going to continue with it for now until we see something more that moves the needle. All right, next one up here, the commander's offense. couple things that I want to touch on. The first is the Sam Howell-Jahan Dotson connection, something I've talked about throughout the offseason. The beat writers have been remarking about a lot of chemistry between the two of those guys. Howell, someone who has a little bit of rushing ability, a guy that could be a sneaky QB2 for fantasy this year. And in the first game of the preseason, we saw him come out, look very, very poised, completed 9 of 12 attempts, 77 yards, and a touchdown. Also added 8 rushing yards in his time out there. And that scrambling ability, that's the important thing for him. That's what's going to make him that fantasy sleeper. And then Dotson is the one that caught the touchdown from him. Beautiful 26-yard play between the two of them. Dotson remaining a very high breakout candidate this season. An outstanding young receiver in that offense and a lot of red zone ability. So we could see him put up a double-digit touchdown total for sure this year. And I also would point out, and this is another guy that I've talked about a lot, but Cole Turner. He's out there. He's getting a lot of snaps because the veteran Logan Thomas is dealing with that calf injury. But Cole Turner is somebody that could be on your late round tight end list. Somebody that if Logan Thomas misses time, if Logan Thomas kind of fades to the background because he's a veteran, we could see Cole Turner emerge. I'm predicting that that breakout is going to happen at some point, whether it's this season, whether it's next season. I think Cole Turner is going to be a name that we're going to have in our fantasy lineups in the future. All right, next thing, the Steelers passing attack. I think it's on the rise. And we talked about Kenny Pickett and how he could improve. A little underwhelming in his starts as a rookie. A lot of reason to believe that in year two, there's better things to come. Positive drumbeat in camp. That turned into a strong performance on Friday. He completed six of seven passes for 70 yards and a 33-yard score where he hit George Pickens. Just a very tight window throw and then let Pickens do the rest. Pickens sort of deked out the safety and got into the end zone on that one. And the big thing for Pickens and for Deontay Johnson, who also, we got to remember, he gets a lot of volume and he got a lot of volume in his short time out there in this game, caught three passes for 32 yards. He's positioned for another high volume campaign this season, three straight years with 140 plus targets. But the big thing for this passing attack is going to be whether Pickett can elevate his game. And this was a nice sign that he's taken steps in the right direction. I still think that one guy, and we saw a little bit of it here, one guy that I'm worried about in that offense continues to be Pat Fryermuth. And you look at what happened in this game with Fryermuth, played the same number of snaps as the rookie Darnell Washington. It's one of the reasons why I had him on my bus candidates list. I think that he could get infringed upon just based on the fact that you have those two strong receivers. You got some running backs that are able to catch the ball to the backfield. And now you have this other tight end in Darnell Washington who isn't going to steal his job, but is going to step in. It's going to take some of the red zone looks. Is potentially going to take some of the snaps away from him as well. So that has me worried about Fryermuth and is pushing him outside of that top 10, top 12 at tight end, which is where I think most analysts have him ranked. Next up here. The Chicago Bears offense, couple of things. We saw some really good stuff from them. I know people were pointing out that Justin Fields' stat line is just so elevated because he was just throwing short passes, throwing screens, and then had guys like DJ Moore and Khalil Herbert taking it to the house on these long 50-plus yard touchdowns. I think it was a 56-yarder for Herbert. It was a 62-yarder for DJ Moore. And what a welcome to Chicago moment for DJ Moore, right? And the first pass that he catches in the preseason as a Bear, boom, takes it to the house for the score. And 
This is what I've talked about, that he might not see incredible volume because this is a passing attack that isn't likely to challenge for even mid-range volume in terms of pass attempts this year. But DJ Moore is such an explosive talent. He's getting to play with a much better quarterback than he's played with in recent seasons. They are going to feed him the ball and he is going to be able to make big plays like this. I still see him as a wide receiver too in fantasy this year. And Justin Fields, it gives him even more potential to challenge for a spot among the top five fantasy quarterbacks. And then in the backfield for Chicago, Khalil Herbert really standing out. It wasn't just that one play. Of course, that one play was fantastic. Didn't do that much on the ground, right? Four carries for 15 yards. But the thing is, He was the one out there when Justin Fields was playing every single snap that Fields was out there. You had Herbert lining up in the backfield. So I think right now going into the season, and this is nothing surprising, but going into the season, Herbert looks like he is going to have the best chance to be the lead back in week one. And then we'll see as the season goes along. Still looking at a committee in that backfield. We'll see a little bit of Deonta Foreman. I think Roshan Johnson, the rookie, is going to carve out a bigger role as the year goes along. But Herbert, somebody that could start strong for you. And then maybe an early season sell high candidate after the first few weeks if he gets out there and puts up some good numbers. It's not all positive though. It's not everything that we saw wasn't good. I tend to try to focus on the positive, but We could look at the Broncos offense as an example of a group that is still a work in progress. And I don't think we should be shocked by that. You're bringing in an entirely new coaching staff. You have a few new pieces out there on offense as well. And Russell Wilson's final stat line, it looks acceptable. Seven for 13, 93 yards, a TD. But he played a lot deeper into this game than I think people expected. Stayed out there into the second quarter and... It's probably a situation where Sean Payton wanted to get his new passer some more reps and try to get him more comfortable in the scheme, and he did find some success, right? He had that touchdown, nice touchdown with Jerry Judy, but after the disappointment that we saw in 2022 from Wilson, there's still a lot of work to do in in Mile High, right? There's still a lot that they have to sort out. This is not going to be an easy fix, and I suppose it's also worth noting that his backup, Jared Stidham, a guy that potentially could be waiting in the wings who Sean Payton talked up when they signed him in the offseason that maybe if Wilson struggled we could see Stidham get out there Stidham didn't make much of a push either in this game he completed just five of his 15 passes 50 yards and an interception so not exactly threatening there to try to get more playing time Uh, somebody that I think we got to watch right now Christian Kirk on the Jaguars a guy that had a really big season in fantasy last year we knew the arrival of Calvin Ridley was going to hurt a little bit bit and hurt some of the pass catchers we weren't exactly sure who Kirk definitely near the top of that list from a target share standpoint and if the first preseason game's any indication I think he might be the one that gets hurt the most because he took a back seat in two receiver sets and again this is just the first preseason game but when you see Ridley and Zay Jones out there playing on the outside and Kirk really only getting the slot snaps I think that could be a problem for him that could really limit his potential output this year and make it tough for him to come anywhere near his production from 2022. So not time to panic yet, but it makes Kirk kind of a tough sell at the moment. You'd have to pick him in the early fifth round based on his ADP. And that is not where I want to be grabbing that kind of player that I think is going to have a lower fantasy ceiling than expected, unless we see Calvin Ridley get hurt, which knock on wood, we do not want to have happen because I have a lot of shares of Ridley this season. We could stay in Jacksonville for one more note here in the backfield. Travis Etienne, 
locked in as the number one. No question about that. But the rookie tank Bigsby, he got a short yardage preseason snap with the starting unit. Could be a sign that he's going to have some sort of role early on in that offense that he is not going to have to fight and claw and chip away to try to get a role like some of the other rookie backs. And we'll talk about some of them in a second that started a little further down the depth chart. They're going to have to work their way up. We had Bigsby out there getting a snap with the starting offense. So it's tough to predict right now how the coaching staff is going to deploy these guys. Could also see Jermichael Hasty come in for some passing down work. That's something that also happened in this game. But I think we could see a split that might be a little bit closer to what we saw early last season when it was Etienne and James Robinson. It was kind of closer to 50-50 early on before Robinson faded away. Bigsby impressing. Bigsby, the coaching staff's liking. The beat writers are talking about how good he's looked in practice. So not exactly great news for Travis Etienne's fantasy ceiling. I still think he'll be a good fantasy play. But if you're looking at him to have that massive campaign where he could challenge for a spot amongst the top five running backs, don't know if that's going to happen when you have a back like Bigsby who's going to potentially earn some work there with him. So I think he should be viewed as a fantasy RB2. And Bigsby, a very intriguing one-injury-away guy, maybe even somebody that has some flex value if he gets those goal-line carries there. Uh, We'll talk about the Bills for a second. Not me being a homer, of course, but some exciting things happening in that offense. And a guy who I'm warming up to a little bit in James Cook. Throughout the offseason, I mentioned that I was worried that with Josh Allen having a big goal-line role there, and even if they pull back on that this season a little bit, like they've kind of hinted at, them having Damian Harris and Latavius Murray and bringing in these bigger backs, that those guys could be stealing the goal line work. And maybe that will still happen. But James Cook looks fantastic, uh, getting talked up in practice, looking great in this preseason game, four carries for 20 yards and a score in this one. Going to be a good season for him has that potential to be an RB2 for fantasy to have that breakout campaign. So someone that I'm grabbing a few more shares of now that I'm kind of admitting that maybe I was a little too down on him earlier. I think he could have a good season. And part of it might be that Damian Harris has been out with a knee injury and Latavius Murray, who 33 years old, still getting it done out there. And that's the thing why they grab both those guys that if Harris misses time, Latavius Murray can easily step in and fill that spot. But regardless James Cook, a breakout candidate for sure. And you want to make sure that you get him in at least some of your leagues. And then the other young player in this offense, Dalton Kincaid, the tight end. Do you shy away from rookie tight ends? Do you take a chance on a guy that has first round draft capital? It's entering one of the best offenses in the league with one of the best quarterbacks in the league. I think you do. He was out there with the starters in this game. He's poised for a really big role in this offense right out of the gate. And the pass catching skills... I think it could earn him a spot among the top 10 fantasy tight ends in year one. That is how I have him ranked right now. I think people are kind of underrating some of these rookies because of that rule in the past where you just want to stay away from a rookie tight end. I think it's a different world now. We've seen some rookie tight ends come in and make an impact right away. And I think guys like Kincaid and Sam Laporta... Maybe Michael Mayer, but uh, Luke Musgrave with the Packers. There's some guys this season that are going to come in and be fantasy viable right away. So I think you got to make sure that you're targeting them, especially where they're going, you know, well outside of the 10th round. You're getting them late and they could be great values there. Some of those other rookie backs that I talked about earlier that I hinted at, uh, we'll start with Zach Charbonnet in Seattle. 
And we thought that he had that shoulder injury a week or two ago and that he was potentially going to miss time, maybe even miss time early in the season. And then he came back very quickly after a few days. And it was actually Kenneth Walker who's been out. Walker back at practice. Maybe he's rushing back a little bit now. He came back after they played their game this week, got back to practice because Charbonnet looked pretty good in this game. And the stats weren't massive. Four carries, 14 yards two catches for 14 yards, but to see Charbonnet out there, healthy, punishing defenders, just these very physical runs, he is going to bring a new element to this offense as that bigger back, as the pass catching option. He's going to have a role right away, and if Walker can't stay healthy, Charbonnet could have that league winning upside. So somebody that I'm very, very excited about, but we're going to have to monitor Walker, see when he can get back to full strength. And right now, if he's back at practice this week, Still has a few weeks to go. Should be ready for week one, but keep Charbonnet in mind as another one of those guys that could give you flex value. And then also, if Walker misses time at any point, boom, Charbonnet is right up there as probably a top 20 fantasy option, maybe even better. Uh, Some of the other rookie backs here and some of the guys that, like I said, started a little bit further down the depth chart, uh, Devon A-Chain. You know, the flurry of praise that we've seen from teammates and beat writers, the practice performances that are just wowing everyone. Well, he was way down the depth chart in this first game. I think he was the fifth running back when you kind of count the guys that were sitting out and where he played in this one. And different teams handle rookies in their own way. Some coaches want to see the young players earn that spot. And that might be the case here. That's what I would expect that we're going to see him move up the depth chart pretty quickly. Otherwise, we got to question some of the teammates, some of the beat writers that have said all these positive things about him. But he did finish with 10 carries, 25 yards. Not that exciting. Four catches for 41 yards, though. And that's very important. If he's going to be that pass catching option out of the backfield, they're going to get him in space and let him do his thing use that speed to make big plays that could turn him into a fantasy option even if he isn't getting extreme volume so I'd expect to see him rise the depth chart over the next few weeks but for the time being Raheem Mostert Jeff Wilson they're well ahead of him right now and there's still the potential threat that Dalvin Cook could sign there Dalvin Cook this morning again putting out another emoji getting people kind of excited that maybe he's signed somewhere he's done that a lot recently and he hasn't signed yet so temporary expectations on that one but it looks like he could still be favoring Miami based on that being you know, closer to his home and all that sort of stuff. So I still think that that is the favorite spot for him to land, which would hurt all of these guys, including Devon A-Chain. Tajay Spears on the Titans, they got him involved very early in this game. He was actually listed behind Asan Haskins on their unofficial depth chart, but he was the one that got the start with Derrick Henry sitting out. And really, ever since he was drafted, we've been talking about him as a third round pick who could step in if something happens to Henry, if Henry were to get traded this season. And he showed everything we wanted to see in this one, 36 yards on seven touches, had a really nice 14 yard run where he used his speed. He found a seam on the outside, even stiff armed a defender along the way. So great to see that from him. Been very high on Spears as somebody that I think people were undervaluing. He should be right in there in that group, kind of behind the the Zach Charbonnets of the world, but has that same kind of upside as a guy that could get worked in on passing downs, a guy who could see more touches than you expect if they try to keep the 29-year-old Derrick Henry a little healthier, try to lighten his workload a little bit this season so he doesn't break down. And if something were to happen to Henry, man, Spears would be a fantastic fantasy play 
at that point. Uh, we could also keep talking about rookies. We could talk about the rookie quarterbacks. They all had to take their lumps this week. Nothing overly exciting from them. Uh, we don't even have to really get into the stats, I don't think. You know, they kind of all showed what we expected to see from them. Anthony Richardson facing a really tough Buffalo defense. Settled in after an early interception. Uh, made a couple of really nice throws. Showed some poise in the pocket. But he's a work in progress there. Bryce Young was just under duress constantly. I mean, the Panthers offensive line, I don't know if it was so much about the quality of their line or just really the dominance of that Jets defensive front. The Jets defense is so good and they were just crushing that offensive line, giving Young no time to operate. And yet still, he was able to work through his progressions. He looks good out there. Hopefully we'll get to see something a little better from him in the next preseason matchups. And then CJ Stroud was the hardest one to evaluate because they were just overmatched by that Patriots defense. And he only played two series. One of them ended in a pick. But the bottom line is don't overreact to the rookie quarterbacks in their first preseason outing. And don't overreact to these reports that, you know, they're throwing interceptions in practice. That is maybe the silliest thing that I see people go crazy about on Twitter or X or whatever we're calling it. That people go crazy that, oh my God, a quarterback threw three interceptions in a practice in August. Who cares? Let's get to the season. The The practices are when they should be taking chances, when they should try to find out what their limitations are. So don't worry about interceptions in practice. Let's worry about it when we get to the games. If it's happening then, then it is a serious problem. And one guy that I want people to temper their expectations on is Tank Dell. And yes, I know there were only two preseason games on Thursday. So when someone stands out, it's going to make them stand out even more. And he had five catches for 65 yards and a touchdown. Got a lot of attention for it. But we have to remember the history of players his size. He's 5'8", 165. Maybe put on a little more weight than that since the combine. But For him to make a significant fantasy impact, the guys who have done it at that size, the list is very, very short, no pun intended, but it is very, very small. It's also hard to tell where Dell fits into the lineup because Robert Woods wasn't playing in this game. Noah Brown wasn't playing in this game. They had the night off. I think Woods is likely locked in as a starter there. Not so sure about Brown, but Nico Collins has been the one that the beat writer has been pointing out is the number one receiver in this offense based on practice reps. So CJ Stroud is going to help elevate these guys. It's still hard for rookie quarterbacks to have multiple passers be fantasy options or at least high-end fantasy options. You also haven't even mentioned John Mechie is in the mix there. So in the end, Dell might be an exciting player, but he's going to be a part-time contributor in my opinion in year one. So unlikely that a player like him with that kind of frame is going to command serious volume in the offense over a full season. And I would just keep that in mind because he's very exciting. We've seen a lot of, you know, smaller, exciting young players come into the league like this, but they don't often produce fantasy seasons where you're going to want to have them in your lineup week in and week out. Uh, one other rookie that we're going to talk about briefly here, but it's not him that we're focused on. It's his teammate, but uh, the rookie tight end for the Cowboys, Luke Schoonmaker, He's been dealing with that foot injury, kind of kept him out most of the off seasons, kind of delayed his launch a little bit, and it's allowed Jake Ferguson to continue to establish himself as the starting tight end in Dallas. He played most of the snaps on Saturday with the starting offense, came away with three catches for 38 yards. We saw a guy like Dalton Schultz do this in Dallas where he was able to kind of translate that volume into decent fantasy seasons. 
Ferguson belongs on your late round sleeper tight end list. He could be a guy that could sneak into even the low end tight end one ranks if he gets the same kind of volume that Dalton Schultz got. Some new injuries that we got to monitor after this week. Some guys who got hurt in these preseason games. Uh, Buccaneers running back Rashad White, potential breakout candidate. I haven't been super high on him. I think he's going to be more of a volume guy. And if he gets the vast majority of the touches in that backfield, then yes, he will be able to produce. Uh, He left the game uh, limping, wasn't sure what the injury was there, something lower body, but he was back at practice on Monday. I thought I saw a video right before we started recording that he was back out there running around a little bit. So it doesn't seem like that's anything serious. A Browns wide receiver, Elijah Moore, he had a rib injury. Don't know where we're at with that. Haven't seen an update, but that's one to monitor because he's a guy who is definitely a breakout candidate this year. Uh, One kind of serious one, a Saints running back, Kendra Miller, and not serious in the sense that he's going to miss the season or anything like that, but he suffered a knee sprain. That's going to keep him out for a couple weeks. They're saying he should be ready for week one, but it might be kind of tight at this point and could lead. We've already seen the Saints bring in some veterans, try out a few guys. We could see them sign someone now if Miller is going to be on the shelf for a little bit because we know Alvin Kamara is going to miss three games. They have Jamal Williams, but it sure seems like they want to have another back there to pair with Jamal Williams while Alvin Kamara is out. So we'll keep an eye on that one. Uh, For the Ravens, tight end Isaiah Likely, uh, he left. For the Cardinals, Corey Clement, their running back, he left. And you might think we're going pretty far down the list here, but Corey Clement is actually kind of in a battle right now with Keontae Ingram to be the backup to James Conner. And Cardinals are also a team that could bring in a veteran back at some point. And Ingram has been hurt. He's been missing some time in practice. So that's why I mentioned Corey Clement, who in most leagues isn't somebody you want to consider, but in very deep leagues, you might want to think about stashing him if he's healthy. And then some other ones, uh, Ravens quarterback, Tyler Huntley, he had a hamstring issue. So he was sidelined that could move Josh Johnson up the depth chart there. And then a scary one, uh, Seahawks wide receiver, Kay Johnson. He suffered a concussion. Uh, looks like he's going to be okay though. So that's great to see. And then we could tack on, these aren't new injuries, but some new injury developments. And maybe it has more to do with their contract, but a Jonathan Taylor, who's been sitting out, coming back from that ankle issue, kind of unhappy with his current situation, not getting a new deal there. Uh, he's apparently going to be back at practice this week. So that is great to hear. And same goes for J.K. Dobbins, who's been out with the knee issue. Also somebody not so happy with his contract, but apparently he is going to be removed from the pup list. So they're going to call his bluff. We're going to see if he is back at practice this week. Seems like these guys are just slowly going to come back. And that's what we want for fantasy. We want them out there practicing, getting ready for the season, taking some hits in practice so they are completely ready for week one and they're going to be producing out there for us. That is the best case scenario. Maybe not for them contract wise, unfortunately, but for fantasy managers for sure. And then I'll just rattle off some other players who I think stood out this week. Some guys that you should be monitoring at least to see where they're at in their depth charts, who I think could be fantasy options at some point this year. Jordan Addison looked pretty good for the Vikings. He should continue to work his way up right now. They're saying he's the number three wide out. I think it's only a matter of time before he passes KJ Osborne becomes the number two wideout in that offense behind Justin Jefferson and his teammate Ty Chandler really looked good in the backfield there. I think he's got to be the favorite to be the number two behind Alexander Madison as long as, and we have to keep saying this because there's so many veteran backs still available, but as long as the Vikings don't bring in one of those free agents that then would potentially usurp them and take over that number two spot. Jordan Love for the Packers. I thought it was a nice showing for him. And we talked about the fact that 
All he has to do this year is play within that LaFleur system, just execute the offense. He doesn't have to really go over and above. I don't expect him to go over and above, but he's been making some nice throws and we know he's got a lot of great weapons around him. So a guy that could potentially surprise us a little bit this year. Uh, Baker Mayfield, by far the better Bucks quarterback. I think he positioned himself now to be the starter in week one. I always thought it was going to be tough for Kyle Trask to beat him out. Baker having more experience and with the weapons that they have in Tampa, wouldn't be crazy for Baker. Not that he's going to become a starter in single quarterback leagues, but to sneak into the QB2 rankings for fantasy could potentially see that. Israel Benacanda for the Jets, really kind of all the Jets running backs behind Brees Hall. Brees Hall not playing yet. All three of those guys, Michael Carter, Zonovan Knight, they're all looking pretty good. I don't really see why they would want to bring in Dalvin Cook. I mean, I understand why they would want to, but I don't understand why they would do it because the need there, it just doesn't make sense unless Brees Hall has some sort of setback. Uh, Deuce Vaughn, another one of these smaller players, but he looks very electric in that Cowboys offense. He could be vying for that number two role behind Tony Pollard. Might be more of the Tony Pollard insurance uh, option, though. Maybe if something happens to Pollard this season. A couple Rams rookies, Pukunakua, the wide receiver. He could earn his way into three receiver sets. Zach Evans, the running back, a little further down the depth chart right now, but he looked pretty good in this game. Caught a nice pass on the sidelines. Hopefully we'll see him move up the depth chart. Another rookie, Trey Palmer on the Bucks. Kind of interested in him. I think at some point we could see him pass Russell Gage on the depth chart. A very explosive player, very fast, and someone that I think is going to deserve more targets. It might not happen this year. Maybe it'll happen next season, depending what happens with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin long-term there. And then A.T. Perry. Really, really liked him. I liked his profile in the draft process. Went to the Saints where he's a little bit buried on the depth chart, but had a big game catching passes from Jameis Winston. I like him as somebody that if an injury happens, and we know Michael Thomas is in that Saints offense, at any moment, Michael Thomas could just <laughs> head to the trainer's table and not come back. And if that happens, A.T. Perry could be the guy that steps in for him. But that is all for today's show. Make sure you're checking the Score Fantasy Football Draft Kit daily. It is getting updated constantly, new information, new articles. So make sure you're checking that out for free over at the Score. You can also follow me on X, formerly known as Twitter. I'm at Justin Boone over there, and I'll be back a couple more times this week, once with a guest on Wednesday, and then I think the plan is to do a mailbag episode on Friday, so I'll be asking for questions at some point on Twitter this week. Stay on the lookout for that, but until then, a big thanks to my friends JP and Brandon. They invited me down to their gig on the weekend. I even got up. I performed a song with them, one of my favorites, Sympathy for the Devil. Had a great time there. Big thanks again for that, and as always, big thanks to all of you for listening, and we will see you next time. Said leave on time, my baby said leave on time. Leave on time with me tonight. I said leave on time.